took a step forward and the engineer braced himself for a fight. They'd been building up to this for three days now, ever since he had arrived at Misenum. And if we fight, thought the engineer, he will win. It's five against one, and they will throw my body over the cliff and say I slipped in the darkness. But how will that go down in Rome, if a second Aquarius of the Aqua Augusta is lost in less than a fortnight? For a long instant they faced one another, no more than a pace between them, but then one of the others, it was Becco, gave an excited shout and pointed. Just visible behind Corax's shoulder was a rock, marked neatly in its centre by a thick white cross. Attilius was the engineer's name, Marcus Attilius Primus, to lay it out in full, but plain Attilius would have satisfied him. A practical man, he had never had much time for all these fancy handles his fellow countrymen went in for. Lupus, Punthera, Pulcare, Wolf, Leopard, Beauty, who did they think they were kidding? Besides, what name was more honourable in the history of his profession than that of the Gens Attilia, aqueduct engineers for four generations? His great-grandfather had been recruited by Marcus Agrippa from the ballista section of Legion Twelve Fulminata and set to work building the Aqua Iulia. His grandfather had planned the Anio Novus. His father had completed the Aqua Claudia, bringing her into the Esquiline Hill over seven miles of arches, and laying her, on the day of her dedication, like a silver carpet at the feet of the Emperor. Now he, at twenty-seven, had been sent south to Campania, and given command of the Aqua Augusta, a dynasty built on water. He squinted into the darkness. Oh, but she was a mighty piece of work, the Augusta, one of the greatest feats of engineering ever accomplished. It was going to be an honour to command her. Somewhere far out there, on the opposite side of the bay, high in the mountains of the Apenninus, the aqueduct captured the springs of Serenus and bore the water westwards, channelled it along sinuous underground passages, carried it over ravines on top of tiered arcades, forced it across valleys through massive siphons, all the way down to the plains of Campania, then around the far side of Mount Vesuvius, then south to the coast of Neapolis, and finally along the spine of the Mycenaean Peninsula, to the dusty naval town, a distance of some sixty miles, with a mean drop along her entire length of just two inches every one hundred yards. She was the longest aqueduct in the world, longer even than the great aqueducts of Rome and far more complex, for whereas her sisters in the north fed one city only, the Augusta's serpentine conduit, the Matrix as they called it, the Mother Line, suckled no fewer than nine towns around the Bay of Neapolis. Pompeii first, at the end of a long spur, then Nola, Acerai, Atella, Neapolis, Putioli, Cumai, Baiae, and finally Messenum. And this was the problem, in the engineer's opinion. She had to do too much. Rome had more than half a dozen aqueducts. If one failed, the others could make up the deficit. But there was no reserve supply down here, especially not in this drought, now dragging into its third month. The Augusta was showing signs of exhaustion, the level of her enormous reservoir dropping hourly, and it was this which had brought him out onto the hillside before dawn, when he ought to have been in bed. From the leather pouch on his belt, Attilius withdrew a small block of polished cedar with a chin rest carved into one side of it. The grain of the wood had been rubbed smooth by the skin of his ancestors. His great-grandfather was said to have been given it as a talisman by Vitruvius, architect to the divine Augustus, and the old man had maintained that the spirit of Neptune, god of water, lived within it. Attilius had no time for gods. He placed his faith instead in stones and water, 
and in the daily miracle that came from mixing two parts of slaked lime to five parts of putiolanum, the local red sand, conjuring up a substance that would set under water with a consistency harder than rock. But still, it was a fool who denied the existence of luck, and if this family heirloom could bring him that, he ran his finger around its edge. He would try anything once. He had left his rolls of Vitruvius behind in Rome. Not that it mattered. They had been hammered into him since childhood. He could still recite entire passages by heart. These are the growing things to be found which are signs of water, slender rushes, wild willow, alder, chaste berry, ivy, and other things of this sort, which cannot occur on their own without moisture. Corax over there, ordered Attilius. Corvinus there. Becco, take the pole and mark the place I tell you. You two keep your eyes open. Corrux gave him a look as he passed. Later.